Well, today we're going to continue uh, with our Heroes of Faith um, series. Uh, that's coming from uh, Hebrews chapter 11, where uh, it's usually referred to as the Heroes of Faith or the Hall of Faith, uh, whereby uh, we walk through, if you will, or rather Paul, uh, most likely writing Hebrews, walks through the various heroes of faith. Uh, and we began all the way back with, uh, who did we begin with? Does anyone remember? I don't think we did after as a hero. Uh, we actually uh, started with uh, Abel. It's a little quiz. but uh, So we, we've gone through, and we've gone through the, uh, the scriptures, hitting all the, like, the major heroes, if you will, uh, that are seen in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, and so now actually is the, first, uh, is the first hero of faith through the Bible which is not mentioned in uh, Hebrews 11, but we can still learn of them or learn from them because there's details. In fact, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 says that uh, essentially Abel's testimony still speaks to us today, uh, meaning that the story, the lessons that are learned speak to us. And so it doesn't have to be just the ones that are, out that are listed in Hebrews 11. If you can maybe just bring down the, the mic. Maybe I'll stop with the, uh, the popping. Um, hopefully. Pop, pop. All right. Well, hey, it's all good. Ah, Lord, we thank you, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word and blood transcends all technical difficulties and all thoughts. Heaven and earth. Heavens and the earth will fade away, but your word shall stand forever, even through the creation of a new world and new heavens. We stand on your word today, Lord. Father, let it just let it just minister to you and minister to us. Amen. So today we're, uh, we're actually going to be talking about Joshua and Caleb. Uh, and if we can turn to Numbers uh, chapter 13, uh, we will uh, begin um, there in a moment. But we'll get our, at least get ourselves uh, set up. And so what we're uh, doing here is now the Israelites are leaving uh, the, the Sinai Desert. <clears throat> and they are stationed outside and they're about to go in uh, to the land of Canaan, which will later become Israel. And they're standing in present-day Jordan, out in the mountain range, looking down at the Jordan River, uh, and they're having a little council, they're having a little talk. What are we going to do now? Right? We just spent the last 40 years in the wilderness, the Lord has finally brought us to the place uh, to enter into the promised land. And so what's going to happen here is many of us uh, may be reminded of the story from our Sunday school uh, days, but essentially what happens here is uh, God is going to command um, spies, one spy from each tribe to go into Canaan, the land of promise, the land of milk and honey, spy out what's going on, come back and tell Moses and the people, right? And so many of us may know the story. Many of the spies, actually 10 of the 12, in fact, go into the land and come back and they're freaked out. They're like, there are giants in the land. Actually, the, the sons of Anak are living there. We're as small as the grasshoppers in, in their eyes. Uh, and then there's two other spies, Joshua and Caleb, who come back. And they're like, uh, yeah, we can do this. There are people there. We can conquer it. In fact, they're going to be our bread. And so really, I'm laying out that story, maybe just to get you guys thinking and remembering instead of reading through the book of Numbers. But so just kind of stimulate what's going on and, and re as a reminder of maybe those stories you've heard of and are reminded of in the past. So essentially what we have here is uh, a, a trial, giants, difficulties. 
probably heard sermons uh, in regards to this. Uh, and there, a lot of them are, are really good sermons, and, and I hope that this can come, come, come into some uh, decent understanding. But uh, we've heard these, these kind of motifs uh, before, like there's giants, we need to come up against them. And I just feel like the Lord's just saying to dig in a little deeper here. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Tim McDonald, some of you guys uh, know Tim, he comes on occasion. A uh, guy with a with with beard um, and good uh, friend with, with Alan has this saying, uh, what you see is not more than what is true. So what you see is not more real than what is true. You see, when we look at uh, the difficulties of life, which is essentially what these giants are, are, are symbols when we look at these uh, difficulties, trials, tribulations, these giant things, these overwhelming things, the reality here is uh, that, well, just because you see what these giants are and they seem to be in front of you, that does not mean that they are as true as what is, in fact, really true. And that's the Scripture. And that's the Word. Right? That you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. So what we see here is sometimes when we're seeing these difficulties it's, and things in our life, it appears to be like absolutely definite that this is what's going on and that these are overwhelming circumstances. But the reality here is that there's a different perception, right? There's the perception of the earthly, which is there are difficulties out there. And then there is the perception of the heavenly, which is now those difficulties are going to be your bread. And we'll talk about what that means in a moment. But two perceptions. We may see something that may be imposing, but it's not more real than what is true. The Lord's word and what he has to say about these circumstances. Uh, for example, you remember the story of uh, Jesus on the boat in the Sea of Galilee? The winds and the waves come, right? That's, that seemed to be very real. There are winds, there are waves, there's all this knocking back and forth. Disciples are like freaking out. You know, like, oh my goodness. And Jesus is just sitting there at the bottom of the boat, sleeping away. Now, it appeared to be real. Of course, the winds and the waves are real, but they're actually not more true than God's word. And Jesus was like, I see the winds and the waves, but what is really true is that we have the power to calm those storms. So obviously, they're there. They're real. They're in your face. But it doesn't mean that they are more true than the truth of God's word. And so uh, one of my uh, one of uh, worship songs I've been listening to uh, recently, there's this verse uh, that just says, just really been ministering to me. It says, uh, let go my soul, trust in him. The winds and the waves still know his name. Uh, sometimes, like, we're, we're like, we forget that. Like, the winds, the waves. The demons, the giants, the enemies of the, they all still shudder and are afraid of the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. They still know his name. And sometimes we need to be reminded uh, of that uh, in a bit. So uh, let's go to our, our next slide here. And we'll get going. That was just a little bit of a, a background. Um, Joe Kelly, Matt. Joe loves maps. I know you can't really see it. The font's a little small, but uh, what we have here is these are the inhabitants uh, that are living in the land of Cana, or Canaan, uh, before the Israelites get there. Uh, there's a bunch of them. Uh, you know them as the Ites, right? the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, Amorites, etc., etc., etc. They were actual people that we have archaeological evidence for. 
they are living in that land before the Israelites get there. And that's when the Israelites go into the land and there's a big old war that takes place. Before that big old series of wars and battles, that's when the spies go in. And so now we read Numbers chapter 13, verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land. This is the ten spies, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land, though which we have gone to search it, is a land that has inhabitants already in it. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So essentially what we have here is legitimately inside of the land here. These ten are seeing physical giants. We call them seven, eight, we call it like Goliath kind of stuff, right? They are seeing that. We know through other scripture verses of uh, different groups of people called the Anakim and the Nephilim and the Rephaim. All these groups that are larger than, you know, you and I. They're large people, strong warriors that are there. That would freak out anyone. And so, you know, we, we, we have this kind of sense of reading through the scriptures where I'm just humbly going to suggest to you, sometimes we, we, we the, the French historian or philosopher by the name of Jacques Ellul, who talks about the humiliation of the word. Uh, and what he means by that is sometimes we just say things and we use words without really understanding what these words are. So you'll hear like us go through quickly genealogy. Adam's genealogy. Like, we'll just go through these groups of people, these ites. I've, I've actually heard people say, oh, and, you know, the ites of your life, you know, the giants. Uh, but the reality here is as I was just uh, praying and, and worship, uh, the Lord had me dig in a little deeper. And, and I don't mean to bore you guys, but I really do believe that there's something uh, deeper here than just, oh, we have giants in our life. And then, therefore, you know, we need to trust in God, Son, Holy Spirit, and everything. There's a little bit more to it than that, right? So if we go to the next slide. Uh, I, want, I want to break apart these ites, these people that are actually living in the land. So there's seven tribes that are living in the land. They all have a name. That name has a meaning in their Semitic languages, which are the ancient group of languages that were around at that time. And then there's an element of a spiritual understanding that I believe uh, is something that actually keeps us from inhabiting uh, the physical and spiritual promised land of our lives. The first group uh, are known as the Canaanites. Uh, Kanatim uh, in the Semitic languages is going to be a merchant, a merchant who humiliates others. They're so wealthy uh, through their trade that they just like make everyone else look like a bunch of silly people. And so the Lord was just giving to me as I was just researching uh, was that this is essentially like when we look at, at, at the life that is before us and that we can inherit, some of us get hung up on this giant in our life. There are financial giants in many people's lives. And are they giants? Or are they your bread? Uh, next group, uh, the Hittites, uh, the Hittim uh, in, the, in the language, is going to be those who terrorize. Terror is like, this is beyond fighting. Terror is, essentially, terrorism is defined as uh, military operations against civilian populations. They use fear. They don't just go up against soldiers. They use terror tactics, right? They're going to sneak in in the middle of the night. They're going to kill civilians. They're going to kill adults and children, all this kind of stuff. 
Essentially, what we have here is the, the, the spiritual understanding of just the terror that you may, in fact, have in your life. Fear, discouragement, things that just seem to be so large and in charge that we are completely taken back and we can't walk out in the promises of the Lord. Uh, the next uh, group of the Hivites, I, I like this one. Uh, it's, uh, li- it means likened unto the snake, the serpent. And so what I, I really feel was going on here is like, what was the, what, what, what's the whole big thing with the snake, right? The snake, the serpent, was the thing that he spoke to us, and we listened to his love. Come on, anyone here, like, have to, I, I, I got to fight it all the time. I apologize for being so vulnerable for you, but I guess probably like every day, I got to fight off lies. Lies I'm not good enough. Lies that I'm not a good enough teacher. Lies that I'm not pastoring the church the right way. Lies, 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 lies. All this kind of stuff. Still trying to earn my place in the kingdom. All these lies. Man, if we, if we live a life surrounded by lies and we allow it to enter into our consciousness, our spirit, we'll never be able to walk in the promises of the Lord. Uh, the Perizzites. Uh, this one's pretty cool, pretty wild. Uh, they are the ones that are open and unwalled, uh, meaning they didn't have any walls around their cities, kind of like tent dwellers. Uh, and this is a notion of uh, spiritual practice of those people uh, who don't have any protection. They don't have um, walls in their life. They don't put up boundaries. I think uh, Proverbs says a man who cannot control his spirit is likened unto an unwalled city. Right? Those who can't control, have self-control, have discipline, is likened unto one that lives without city walls. Right? How many of us, you know, we're not putting up appropriate boundaries in our not going to get all like holiness movement, like what you can eat, what you can't eat, what you can watch, what you can't watch, anything like that. You know, like what, you know, you know when you're crossing some boundaries. I know, I'm like, what is a boundary? If I don't know, my, my daughter's like, I don't think we should be watching this, Dad. I was watching, I was watching this little sitcom the other day, I'm like, it's like, seems to be totally innocent. My, my daughter's like, he said something that's not nice. I don't think we should watch that. I'm like, I, I, I think it's okay. And then like, a couple minutes later, Bad. And then I hear Michelle, Dave. I think, I think, all right, you guys are all right. You shut it off. Come on, it's 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 a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, you know. But boundaries, you know the boundaries, right? The friends that you make, the entertainment you may do. That's right. It's so cool, right? Holy Spirit, you gotta walk in the Lord. You know, you know what you gotta. I'm going to go to the next one because it's really cool. There's three more. Uh, next group of the Girgashites, uh, they are the dwellers of the marshes, uh, meaning that they live in this muddy area, not quite land, not quite water. You ever been down to a marsh? You can go down to Delaware, right? You're like, where am I? It's like, it's water, but there's dirt, and it's mud, and what is it, Right? Uh, and so I believe like the spiritual application here is the notion of, uh, of, of, of compromising, not being firm. And so when we compromise our spiritual life, essentially what happens here is confusion that takes place. Well, what am I? Who am I really? Am I of the world or am I a child of God? Am I just a Christian doing my little thing? Or am I a Holy Ghost, you know, spirit-filled, born-again believer who's called to be a priest and a you know, which land are you on? Are you, are you, are you sitting in the, on firm ground or are you in the marshy areas? And so it's like a type of people that don't really know whom they are. Right? Am I, am I 
committed to the water, am I committed to the earth? It's wishy-washy area. Okay? Uh, the last one was my, uh, my personal favorite, uh, the Amoritim, or the Amorites. Uh, it says in the scriptures, or rather not in the scriptures, said in my, my research, the Amorites were hill dwellers. They lived up in the mountains. Uh, they lived in present-day Syria. And they were so formidable because they're, they're, they're these mountain dwellers uh, that when they came down from the mountain, uh, they had this notion of, like, pride. Uh, they were very, very prideful, very rebellious in their warfare and their abilities and their civilization. And so, you know, we take a look at these things, and, you know, we can go back, I and mean, we can look at all the various ones, right? Financial giants, fear and discouragement, listening to the lies, not putting appropriate boundaries, compromise, pride and rebellion. Um, uh, the Jebusites, those that trodden down, uh, this notion of being overwhelmed. Thank you. I'm so excited about the Amorites that I jumped over the Jebusites. The Jebusites, those that are trodden down, you know, this, this notion of being beaten back and being overwhelmed by people and things. Look, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to get, like, all fancy here, but, I, you know, I do believe that God's word, there are levels to it. You know, you're like, oh, okay, there's people that are living in the land. The Israelites are going to kick them out. I get it. It's cool. I understand it. But there's a spiritual aspect to all of these things, right? Like the Israelites were in Egypt, and they left their place of, of bondage, and they went to the promised land, right? They had to go through a purification process through the deserts of their life. I mean, it's very Christian, symbolic kind of stuff going on. And I do believe that there's similar things that are going on here that we see an inheritance that the Lord has told us to walk in, a promised land for our life. He says essentially the same thing to the Israelites. And there are 10 that go in and are like, no, I can't do it because these things are too big and too formidable. We look at things in our life and we say, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get out of this. This is too difficult. They're too big. They're too imposing. I believe that essentially these factors, these things that we just went over, are some of the things that keep us from entering into the land of promise that the Lord has for us. No, what do you mean the land of promise? I don't mean by land of promise is, yes, life eternal, uh, but also life that's life abundant, right? That it's not filled with stress, that's not filled with striving, that's not filled with anxiety, that's not filled with a whole bunch of worry, that's not filled with like this career cycle where you just got to work, 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 and collect finances for yourself. Talking about a life where you're like you're excited to wake up in the morning, and you're being used by the Holy Ghost, and you're bringing people to the Lord. You're sharing the love of the Father to people, and you look different, act different, and everywhere you go, signs and wonders, wonders should follow those. Right? That we see things that are happening. That's what we're talking about. The Promised Land. The promised Land is not one just to keep. The promised Land is to take and heaven to give to the next generation. The promised Land is was set up that you shall be a city, a light upon a hill to show onto. When people need to look at us and be like, yo, these Christians are different. They're different. They're not stressed out. They're happy. They're carefree. They don't seem to be concerned and worried about things and politics and finances. Like, where does their peace come from? Now, here's the thing, man. If those giants are in your life, essentially whatever you give power to, becomes your God. And if fear and finances and intimidation and all of that has control over you, it is your God. Right? If you're addicted to a substance that has control over you, it's your God. If 
fear, if, 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 if fear and anxiety and, and all of those things that we're talking about, if it has a control of you, it owns you. And so we need to let that go so we can walk in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Uh, if we go to the next slide, one of the reasons why I was so excited about the Amorite uh, is because here is an Egyptian uh, statue, sculpture, of what the Amorites looked like. According to the Egyptians, the Amorites uh, had fair skin, a lot of times blue eyes, and light hair. Bizarre. Uh, in fact, I was reading, and this is like legit, it's like National Geographic. Uh, DNA is now saying, the big question has been like, where on earth did the Europeans come from? Like, people don't know. I mean, Europeans, like the, the most popular person, like if you get to take a specimen from, from planet earth as, as an example, uh, the most popular specimen, I mean the most amount of people on planet earth are representation of Asians, like Asian people, right? The largest percentage, that is, that is on average what typical human beings but God's goodness, he likes diversity, he changes things, right? People with black skin and brown skin, blue eyes, brown eyes, red hair, all this kind of different stuff. You know, it's all good. It's all cool. But people are like, where the heck did these you know, Europeans come from? Uh, it's been actually kind of a bit of a mystery. Uh, and so what happens here is the DNA evidence is legitimate saying that the Amorites, which were around in Syria, at some point were kicked out of their area, and they moved northward. And they co-mingled, cohabitated with people that were living, uh, I guess the descendants of Japheth, one of the sons of Noah, that were living up in Europe. Okay? And the reason why I say this uh, is, you know, I think there needs to be a, a warning. Uh, a warning uh, for a couple things. Uh, one, if this is in fact true on the spiritual uh, element, if we go back to what the Amorites mean, we can go back. Uh, it means one that is prideful and rebellious. So the Lord was just saying, if you take a look at the nations of the world uh, today, I'm not trying to get like some like what we call in history Eurocentric thing, being like Europeans are so important. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying here is if you look at some of the most prideful and rebellious civilizations, you're going to see that they are connected to essentially the line of the Amazon. You look at Western Europe today, you look at the skyscrapers, the civilization, all this kind of stuff. America, uh, obviously this is such an awesome country such a blending and a melting pot of all these different kind of backgrounds. Uh, but historically speaking, we're an extension of Western civilization, right? of European civilization. And many people came here. It's cool. But I feel like the Holy Ghost was just saying, wow, for those people that are living in America, one of the things that we really need to like be mindful of, whether you are physically a descendant of European or not, it's totally uh, uh, not part of the conversation part of the conversation is a civilization. The Western world has been a continuation of the Western Empire, Rome, okay? Uh, and if we take a look at the things that we have done as that civilization, uh, there's a bunch of rebellion, a bunch of pride. Um, and we have to be careful of that, okay? Uh, if you take a we move forward, right, uh, to the next slide, and now hopefully things will begin to make even more sense. The two perceptions. You've got the ten spies that are saying that there are giants there. We are not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought an evil report of the land, saying, And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak. And we were as small as grasshoppers to them. 
And then we have the perception of Joshua and Caleb. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear you, the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defenses depart from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. The same thing, the same object, the same people, but two very different perceptions. They're giants or, no, they're just people. And we got this because the Lord is with us. Two very different types of people. And essentially, you know, where is this coming from? Joshua is the one uh, who hears from the Lord. In Joshua chapter 1, be strong and courageous, he hears from the Lord. The Lord is with you. He's ready to do battle for you. Uh, In Joshua uh, chapter 24, uh, is a really good one. Uh, I love this. Uh, Verse 15, uh, if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So look, I mean, we get a little inkling of how is it that Joshua and Caleb are looking at the situation completely differently. Look, they're, they're different. They're different people. Uh, and one of the reasons why they are different people, in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, God actually says at, of Caleb, Caleb had a different spirit about him. He had a different spirit. Now, I love this. I love this. And I think this is a warning. I think this is a warning for us sitting here. No matter what your DNA background is, it says, if you want to serve the gods that were on the other side of the flood. If you want to serve the gods of the Amorites, and so we would say, like, what are the gods of the Amorites? There are those things in your life which are prideful and produce rebellion. Those are the gods of the Amorites. Pride. I got this, God. I can do it. I don't need your help. Rebellion. I know you're telling me to do something, but I'm not going to do it. It's rebellion. Stubbornness. Stiff head, uh, you know, uh, stiff, he, uh, stiff nakedness. And so but these guys were different. Right? Uh, I believe that one of the reasons why they were so different, uh, or really the effects of this, is that, for example, uh, going in and coming back and bringing this report, uh, I really do believe uh, that Caleb and Joshua saw in this an opportunity they saw a provision of the Lord and not a lack. I'll say that again. When they looked at this situation, they saw provision and not lack. God has told us. He has brought us out of Egypt for crying out loud. He brought us 40 years in the wilderness to bring here. He has not bring us this far so that we would all die. He's brought us this far, and he is saying unto us that he has given us the land, so he shall provide. I believe that when they were looking at this, I really do believe, because Caleb was filled with a different spirit. He he looked at this situation, I believe he saw an opportunity, an opportunity for the Lord to work, an opportunity to bring the people of of Israel together, an opportunity for people's faith to grow. And so this is a little bit of a radical view. How do we view these giants and difficulties, whatever they are in your life? Oh, they're going to beat me back. I can't do it. Or we see this is an opportunity for the Lord to show himself glorified and honored in my life. This is an opportunity for me to spend even more time with the Lord. Because you know when things are good, you're not waking up in the morning crying out to the Lord. But when things are bad, you're like, oh, where is my help come from? And look unto the mountains, right? That's when the birth of the Psalms get, get started in our lives. 
see it as an opportunity. God is going to provide, and it's going to be so cool and so awesome, and it's going to create an unbelievable, an unbelievable testimony of His goodness. See, see, it's all about the perception that ten saw and were freaked out. The two were like, no, I know God's provision. I know His provision. I know His goodness. And the question is, how and why were Joshua and Caleb different? Joshua and Caleb are 80 years old when this is happening. The other guys are young bucks. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that are allowed to enter into the promised land. Even Moses was not allowed to go in. So if that's the case, that means they are on the eve of going into the land and no one was allowed in. That generation, it said, had to pass because of the rebellion in the wilderness. The whole generation had to pass. And the only ones that are allowed are Joshua and Caleb. That's why they're older. Which means all the other spies who are physically going to the land are younger. And if they're younger, that means they were not born and did not exist and did not see the mighty works of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Joshua and Caleb are like, yo, young bucks. I know you're like 30, 20, but here I am, 80. I remember the days when we first went into the wilderness. I remember the days when we were making bricks for Pharaoh. And this guy comes out of the wilderness by the name of Moses and says, let my people go. I saw the plagues of Egypt befall. I saw the angel of death pass over us because of the blood of the Lamb of God. I saw the enemies of God trap us before the Red Sea. And I heard Moses stand and say, behold, stand still and see this day the salvation of the Lord. I remember those days. And don't you recall every single day when we wake up, there's manna on the ground to eat? Come on, kids. Don't you understand the goodness of the Lord? Oh, the power of past trials and tribulations catapult us into new victories. But we got to remember. we got to remember. God's Word is so good. There's so many levels to it. And I was like, oh, I'm just thinking that they're the Canaanites. No, they're actually a symbol of financial giants. And so you just read and you're like, oh. And Joshua and Caleb said, the Anak, the giants, shall be lechem unto us. Go to the next slide. They shall be bread unto us. Bread. Doesn't say meat. Doesn't say water. Doesn't say grapes. Doesn't say artichokes. Doesn't say Jerusalem artichoke. Doesn't say oranges. Doesn't say goat meat or milk or yogurt or lafa, a lebane, as the uh, as they say in Israel today, the, the goat cheese. No, they don't even say manna. They say the bread. They shall be bread unto us. And so I was reading and I was researching. I was looking at Christian uh, commentaries. I was looking at rabbinical commentaries. I was looking at all this kind of stuff. The thing is with Hebrew. Uh, the letters of the alphabet represent something. And that's actually why there is the, of the calligraphy, the way in which it is. It, it represents a more ancient symbol. Okay? For example, there's a letter uh, uh, called the, uh, the Gimel. The Gimel looks like the hump of a camel, and, and Gamel means camel, and Gimel means the letter Gimel. Like, whatever, it's a whole story. The letters mean something. Okay? So when we take a look at the different letters, uh, we see something really profound. When he says that it's going to be bread, it's not just, just anything. Lamed is the universal letter for learning. Okay? 
Um, the, the, the chet, which is the second letter down, uh, stands for a ladder, meaning an accessibility to the heavenly realm. The mem uh, is the word for mayim, which is water, and shemayim, which is heavens. Essentially, the waters from heaven. Look, it's not goat's milk. It's not beef. It's not manna. It is, they shall be lechem to us. They shall be provision for us. They shall be nourishment for us. What is he really looking at here? It's not that we're going to eat them. It means that these trials shall satisfy and encourage and nourish our spirits. They're about to start a nation for the first time that is all about Yahweh, the one true God that shall be a light unto all the earth. I'm telling you, man, they're going to have some bigger trials up ahead than a bunch of giants. They're saying this experience shall teach our spirits something. They, they, it shall feed our spirits. And what is it? That there shall be a learning of how to lean on the Holy Spirit. Because it's through that accessibility that we have with our God that we're able to get through this. That the Holy Spirit shall teach us and make, have our ability, give us an ability to do this. Amen? That's why it's bread, man. So, we said that Caleb is filled with a different spirit. We have the worship team come on down. It would be great. So, he's like, oh, you know, how do, how do we do this? Well, one, we got to be filled, guys. we got to be filled. I don't mean like a little sprinkling. I mean a Holy Ghost filling of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we've taught on the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the past. Uh, and that's, it's good, it's, you know, it's good. And some of us were learning from that. But what I'm just saying here is, you know, it needs to be continued. Right? We need to be continued to fill the presence of the Lord when we look at these difficulties in our life. Jesus. Oh, the, I'm telling you, one of the greatest one of the greatest farces that's ever been displayed before the church. Is to only work on your relationship with God the Father and Jesus the Son. The full Godhead, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been snubbed quite a bit in the church. Someone that we don't pay attention to. Someone that we don't really think about or meditate on. Keeps us weak. Keeps us powerless. Even Jesus said, I gotta go. So someone greater, what? Someone and something greater can come and empower you and give you comfort and encourage you and allow you to turn the nations of the world upside down. The great comfort, the Holy Spirit. Caleb was filled with a different spirit. All the other spies were thinking differently, but Caleb knew, knew the fullness of the Lord. Uh, Joshua Exodus chapter 33, it says that when Moses went back to talk to the people when they were in the desert, a little boy by the name of Joshua chose to linger in the tabernacle. Not doing anything, not working, not trying to read more of the Torah or the scriptures. It just says that he sat and he lingered in the presence of the Lord. We got to linger more. 
It's in the tabernacle that the Lord comes to us. We come to Him. We get to see Him face to face. It's in the tabernacle of worship. The Lord molds us into His image. It's in that place of intimacy with the Lord, intimacy with the Holy Ghost, that we are molded and changed into little boys who are just sitting in the presence, into mighty warriors of God who says, today, I don't know about you guys, but me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to inherit the land. You see giants, I see opportunity. You see war and death, I see the ability for my God to supply all of my needs according to his riches in heaven. Joshua and Caleb remember the old days. They remember the old days. Joshua and Caleb are almost always mentioned together in this time period. The other part, I believe, in unraveling this for your life, the promised land, I don't just mean riches. I mean, come on. I know there's American people teaching that all the time. I'm not talking about the promised land is your wealth. No, I'm saying the promised land is for you to walk in life and in authority before the world and, and, and speak forth the good news of life. That's what I'm talking about. Be completely filled. See the resurrection of the dead. See people being healed. See people getting set free. Joshua and Caleb are always running together. He's part of unraveling this is who do you run with? Who do you spend time with? You spend time to the spirit of the Amorites on, on the television and on the whatever? Or do you walk with brothers and sisters? Are you involved in each other's lives? Choose who you hang with. Choose what you hang with. Joshua and Caleb, they stuck together because they're of the same spirit. Joshua and Caleb knew Moses. They hung with Moses on the base of the mountain. That's why they have this. If they didn't have this, they didn't have that connection, they, they would be like the rest of the world. You gotta run. Brothers and sisters who are of like mind, filled with the Holy Ghost, that are looking to expand the kingdom of heaven on earth. Ones that are not looking to shrink back, ones who are looking to. to you know, kingdom of hell is, is, is crushed back by force. Force in the spirit, force in power, in prayer, in worship, in crying out to the Lord. It's not enough. I'm sorry, guys. It's going to hurt. It's not enough to hang out with Christians in the 21st century. It is only going to be enough to hang out and really get in deep with people of like-mindedness. Not just people who do their thing and go to church on Sunday. People that have the fire of the Holy Ghost inside of them. When they look at the things of the land, they say, oh, we got this. Look, the rest of the spies, they're Israelites. They're children of the Most High God. They're of the promised seed. They would have time in Abraham's bosom, as the scriptures say, which is essentially a, a heaven. But they weren't like Joshua and Caleb. They were different. Praise the Lord. That we have a new type of prayer. Go to the final slide. You see, the bread shall be our nourishment against the giants. Was Jesus not born of any town, but a town called Bethlehem, 
the house of bread. You see, your provision and access to the power of the Holy Ghost, your provision is the Son who is born in the house of bread. He is your nurse. He is the one that gives you the access. Does Jesus not say in John chapter 6, 48, for I am the bread of life. You see, we don't have to fight giants to get our nourishment. We get our nourishment from Jesus, which is a bread that is far nicer and better than any giant in trial and tribulation. We can go to him and say, Jesus, be my nourishment. You are the bread of life, the pure, sinless bread of life. There are things in my life that are difficult, but I need nourishment. So Jesus, we say today, whatever things are going through our life, that we would have the right provision, the right perception. The perception of that we are not going to shrink back. And the perception of that we're not going to just go into the land and accumulate wealth for ourselves. But the perception of that we are going to live a life of victory and victorious so that your name can be made hallowed on earth. To usher in your kingdom. Father, we just say, if there's, there's some of us who have not eaten from the bread of life, you say, come freely and eat of me. Eat of the nourishment of Jesus. You are the provider. You are the access. The anointing of the Holy Ghost. So we come before you. Like there's there's no condemnation in, in Christ Jesus. It's only, it's only conviction of the Holy Ghost. I'm gonna read this scripture verse. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you. Uh, I need to hear this verse. I need to hear this. The people said unto Joshua, Oh, we will serve the Lord. It's the end of Joshua. Oh, yeah, we're going to serve him. We are so going to serve him. And Joshua said unto the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, Yes, we are witnessing this today. So Joshua says, Now therefore, put away, said he, the strange God, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. Put away. Strange God. Thermo. I'm not necessarily talking about Allah or Buddha. I'm talking about anything that has control over you. Any fear, any concern, any thought, any high thought, any stronghold. Anything likened unto that shall be likened unto a God to you because you have given it power over your life. You are serving its opinions and its thoughts. Today the Lord is saying, put it away. Put away the strange God. There's a strangeness 
There's a strangeness. There's a strangeness. The Lord senses and can sense that kind of strangeness in a relationship with you. He says, get that thing out of here. Alan had an incredible encounter the other night in a dream. Something came to him in a dream, a bad thing. And he just looked at it and said, no, you don't belong here. Get out of here. You're a strange thing. I know my daddy. I know my Abba's voice. I know what he sounds like. And it's not of fear. And it's not of concern. And it's not of, oh my goodness, there's a lack of provision. It is, I am the bread of life. Take of me and receive of the Holy Ghost. Get access to the promised land, the land of milk and honey, so that you can take the milk and you can take the honey and you can show people and say, look, taste and good and see that the Lord is good. So Lord, we just confess, is there anything here, any high thought, any stronghold? I encourage you right now. Just have it. look, no condemnation, man. It's all been done. The debt has been paid. The sin has been laid out. You're a pure, pure, living God. But I want to be transformed from glory to glory to that Christ. You shall do even greater works than I have done, Jesus says. So I just want to be transformed. I just want to be a pure, a pure cup. But he says, you know, I've got strange gods living inside my cup. I'm getting it out so I can just get more of the Holy Ghost to fill it. That's what we're saying. just stand. I know, I know it's been a, a, a long service. And we have coffee and, and donuts and various things downstairs. But we just want to create this, this place right here, this atmosphere right now. If you need some prayer, come on now. You're like, all right, all right, I've been listening to the giants a little too much. All right, I've got a little strange God that needs to, I've got to cut the cord with. Just come on down, we'll pray for you. Something that we do. Oh, Holy Ghost. Book of James says, confess your sins to one another and you shall be healed. I'm not saying you have to get up here and announce things to two people, but something. If there's a strange God that's in there, you're like, ah, manifest, manifest it out. Speak it for me. Come to a brother and sister like, yo, I've just really been struggling with financial things. And I can't let that have control over me. Just by saying it, 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 it takes the power out. I want to stand with you and say, brother, yeah, awesome. You're saying you need, you, you need to bow down to Yahweh. You bow down to God. So that's how I just want to end service. Feel free. Seriously, like official Special time of the church. So hopefully it's now over. You may now depart. Whatever. We just ask that right here. We just keep a keep a sanctified atmosphere. If you're talking, you got stuff. You know, just go out in the lobby, go downstairs. We'll be down there a little bit. But I'm just feeling that, that last part there. I just, I just felt like the Holy Ghost is saying there are people here who just need to be liberated from some strong, some strange gods that are ruining us. Come on down. I'll pass Ramon down here. Alan. Start there. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Let's get other people to pray. You know, it's all good. 
So have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful week. And uh, hopefully we'll see you downstairs.